0: Hello and welcome to a uh, show oh man what's it called it's uh that's right the amnesia power hour that's what we're doing we talk about memory or more importantly the um i'm spencer crittenden and i'm coming here to you uh today i've come to you today i've come into my room sat down and initiated a zoom call with uh with with kevin you sound so excited about that Spencer <laughs> yeah okay i could take that again um i'm here you know i i came to my room i'm so excited to do the show with you initiated a zoom call with kevin is thank that, you is thank that you better?
1: that that was, that was a lot better yeah
0: okay yeah so um yeah this is the show now um you know I, i'm sure you're asking man that derek mears episode was a real corker it was a real you know uh, hickey. and there's got to be some way he's planning on following it up like how is he going to beat that ha 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 well you know, you just wait and see that. I'm not, I'm not even, that's not even anything I'm going for at all. If anything, I chose the path of chaos and, um, am, am going to just do a real terrible show, um, to re reset expectations to more manageable levels. Um, but yeah. So, uh, what, what's up, Kevin? How, how's it going with you?
1: I was doing good. I just got back from LA, uh, got to meet up with Rob Schraub and Kate for a little bit uh rushed back home now and you know getting back to work how's how's your week gone
0: yeah so kevin came out to la and, uh, he sent me a text, you know, you want to meet up for food some, sometime, you know, maybe we'll do it. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, but, but that must've came after he secured the bag in the form of hanging out with Shrob, his presumably true objective. And, you know, I'm more than happy to take Kevin's like uh, sloppy seconds, uh, you know, in, in FaceTime with him because I just care about him so much, but, uh, but yeah, I guess, you know, really you did what you came to do, which was get FaceTime with the real talent behind Trob. Hope video and you know and you, you can't always make it work with me it's fine you know i i can't i can't offer you anything other than you know my unyielding love and affection and support you know so what, what's that I, worth like three dollars I,
1: I did feel really terrible saying hey spencer do you want to hang out followed almost immediately by oops sorry I'm i'm heading back now
0: What was really cool about that to me was um i was like yeah man i'm completely free like i don't do shit anymore i'm super lonely please can we do something i'll buy you movie tickets we could go to the beach like please anything please please but you know honestly looking back on it i guess that is kind of an off-putting energy so you know i i can't i can't blame you
1: well, all right, we, I will, I will commit to you next time I'm in LA. I'm going to come a day early and we're going to do a, that happens in, in person. Like you yeah. and me together face to face. Like I haven't seen you since 2019. I don't think like in well, person, I guess you haven't
0: been looking. I've been here every week. <laughs> we're right. I'm right here. Look at me kevin refuses. if you're listening to the podcast you need to understand that kevin refuses to look at me and in the rare inspections that uh you know the task demands he kind of turn this way he puts on a blindfold like like he thinks i think kevin thinks he's blind justice um which you know is is very pro- uh, progressive uh blind justice classically being a woman you know but we're breaking barriers um but yeah well what else what, so you you came what, what what's your life been like you recently moved right what how, how'd how that go like or how are you settling into the new place is it feeling good is it feeling like home or is there projects you have yeah. outstanding
1: yeah no it's, it's been feeling great uh it, it's been a shock though because you know i moved from like a farmhouse where we never got any trick-or-treaters and mm-hmm. i found out on halloween that uh, the schools gave out a list of like the, the best neighborhoods to go to for the most candy. And w- mm-hmm. my little neighborhood is the number one on their list. So I got, and I'm not kidding over 400 kids coming to my door on, on Halloween. Did you have, anything? that was a lot. I, I went out what, once I found out that was happening. I went out early right. Sunday morning to buy more candy. And I ended up like spending three, $400 worth of additional candy. And I still ran
0: out. Trigger so, treaters that happens oh drink remember when we did that on the show i do i do i grab my drink eagle eared fans will remember episode 27 uh i don't know um but uh what, what were you sipping on there oh this is the new pepsi
1: soda shop cream soda do you they guys have hear two that?
0: flavors now it's it's a new
1: thing i didn't even know it existed until
0: i was grocery shopping and they also have uh dark cherry Wow. While you were saying that a big crash happened, I don't, I'm still not, I haven't, I got to duck forensics, but I, I, what I believe must've happened is my new crisp software, my crisp audio algorithm software <laughs> that you've, uh, generously provided, I think has just deleted that entire crash. So no one could hear it except for me. I, I didn't hear it at all. <laughs> or you're gaslighting me either way. You know, we, we talk a lot about gaslighting <laughs> here on that happens. Um, but yeah, also my cat. she, she like climbed into a bag of Indian takeout, and she was like fucking around, and I guess that somehow led to the crash. I don't know. Who knows? Um, well, uh, okay, what, one more chance. You got one more chance. Anything else that that's you know new in your life lately? Uh,
1: no. I, I just finally finished moving. That was that was the big deal of, of my year. I think I spent six months moving, and we're finally done. There's nothing left at my old house anymore. It's listed for sale. I'm 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 done.
0: Wow. are you gonna buy it my entire
1: buy my buy my own house yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds like a clever tax dodge but no probably not i'm yeah. gonna sell it to somebody else
0: that's like something an nft person would recommend It's like if you buy your own house that's just money in the bank <laughs> like that. that's pure profit babe do you own any nfts no uh i don't like nfts okay so so let me rant real quick i believe there could be a world or an application where NFTs are valuable and have legitimate uses. I believe that it could be the case. And you know, you might be thinking to me, Spencer, you're stupid. That's stupid. Whatever. Um, not, not you, but you know, the audience. Um, but you know, I the idea of a digital object that can be taken out of its context, its walled garden of technology, you know, the Apple Store or whatever, and then placed into another digital context where it makes sense for that to be a distinct object rather than copies of the object in different walled gardens, I think there could be some use for that. I don't know. And I certainly don't think anyone is trying to find it. And I certainly don't think anyone really wants to make it into a real useful thing. They just, you know, it's like they already need the blockchain. So they're like, how can we get people more invested in the blockchain? What about this? It's not just money. Now it's trading cards, you know? And like, and so I think they're just trying to get people into the the economy um, and kind of turn people onto it more than they have any real, it's like a solution in need of a problem, you know? Uh, you, you To the extent, I don't think bitcoin or you know blockchain is super useful but if you want to use it for something money makes some amount of sense because it's like at least that makes sense there you're not just counterfeiting money or whatever you can track it moving around whatever that that has some idea to me but the idea of a digital object or an object that's even not digital like i don't really see any reason to that to do that like you know i have a, a rick and morty collectible sweater that has a a uh, unique identifier number you know a collector's number this is one of 150 or whatever you know and it's like that the technology of authentication exists it even exists in the digital sphere in the form of uh you know two-factor authentication uh encryption you know there's ways to I- authenticate systems that don't require the use of a blockchain but the only reason they're kind of delving into the space is well we have this already what else can we do with it but they don't have any unique interesting ideas now you know are you familiar with the anime Yu-Gi-Oh? yes not okay. intimately, but yeah i'm familiar so with it. in Yu-Gi-Oh, they have a deck of cards then they do these virtual reality cyber duels where they have this thing on their arm that's like a it's like a game board essentially that you place the cards into, and then holograms project those images in reality, and then it looks like you have a giant fucking dragon in front of you and it punches you know a golem in the face or something, you know. So in the in the world of Yu Gi Oh, Yu Gi Oh is the most it's the, the the card game is called Duel Mask Monsters, but it's the most important thing in the entire universe of Yu-Gi-Oh, you know it's like if someone cheats on your girl you're gonna duel him in the streets you know it's like like uh when when a corporate merger is set to take place um you know the CEOs will duel over the you know the fates of who's gonna control the cover like you know it's like it's it imagines a world you know a lot of anime does this it imagines a world where what if this was the biggest thing in the world like uh the Prince of Tennis is like what if everyone solved their problems through tennis you know whatever it's just kind of like an anime trend that exists is like, what if this were everything and all of society were structured around it? If if we lived in a Yu-Gi-Oh world, there could be value in making Yu-Gi-Oh cards NFTs that you get. It's there you can put them into digital. You can take them out and put them into a real physical card. And you know you don't have to go to one dual disc manufacturer. Maybe you go into a dual dual arena that's made by this company, and so you take your NFTs into it and plug it into that system. You know maybe your your NFT ha- or maybe your dual monster cards have different AIs because the dragon is more aggressive than the foot soldier. And, you know, maybe having those AIs persist as opposed to being copies of each other based on, you know, your stylistic future aesthetics for needs for what you need an AI for. Maybe an NFT could be useful in that context because you take, you know, your home AI out and then you actually put it into your car and now it's driving your car and the dragon likes to go fast. And, you know, I don't know. You know, like in this crazy future world, I can see where some sort of digital construct that's. The bedrock of society, you know, could be used um, to uh, could be used to kind of move around. But generally, there's no reason you can't just copy a digital object and then put it into another context. You know, uh, even from a uh, you know, obviously the, the the supposed goal is decentralization. But you know, no one necessarily wants decentralization as a means to an end. Like people are fine having their iPad apps be iPad apps and not being on an Android phone. You know, and and. Apple wants that too. Like, they would rather run, you know, this other system and then they put their shit in that system than be all like, oh, you can take this out of our system and put it in a different system. You know, like, there's, there's, like, I don't think there's any real incentive. And even consumers, it's more complicated to have the, you know, to have these systems capable of that level of, uh, Sophistication and modularization, where you can just take out an NFT and plug it into your car, or you know, take out your trading card and make it your web page, or I don't know. You know, it's like I just don't see it, like it. It's the, the way things work through at least Apple. Like it functions pretty well for consumers, and they like that. There's kind of the only one one store. Like I can obviously there's problems with monopolization and stuff, but I think like all of that's a value add for a consumer, and and plugging into the blockchain is kind of a value subtract because it just gives you this level of Uh, sophistication that you just generally don't need in that kind of uh is like retrograde to your consumer experience that you want. Like certainly, you know, uh you probably know at least a little bit about crypto. Like using crypto uh interfaces, wallets and stuff, it's all fucking a nightmare. Like it's not easy. The best solutions are still at least a little bit of a hassle. Like if you compare it to say like Robinhood or something, like the stock trading app, like Robinhood just works how you expect it to. Whereas like a lot of the storefronts and wallets and stuff just don't like that's not what you want. You don't want to be able to lose your password to your money. And then you just never have your money ever again. You know, like there's like a lot of the features are negative features. You know, and so like again, I can I can imagine uses, hypothetical uses of the stuff that actually does provide value. But I just don't see like everything you can do with an NFT, you could also just do with a um an encrypted hash code that can be authenticated through a third-party service. Then it's like, oh yeah, this is the real ape what are they trash apes or whatever this is the real trash ape. look it has the right code or whatever you know and then 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 you don't have to use the blockchain but you've done the same thing you can limit the access of the unique hashes and stuff it like there's ways to do this that 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 do the same exact function um they're not necessarily as elaborate because they don't use this intentionally elaborate but the reason it's intentionally elaborate is because it's supposed to be for money you know it's like you can't you can't take away that security from money like but but in trading cards you don't need it you know um and that you know nfts are essentially trading cards and if you don't know what nfts are i'm so sorry it's been what like 15 minutes of me talking about the ramifications of something you probably don't understand um but yeah well do you have a different take i mean you know um yeah I, i'm i'm open to ideas i mean, i think there are some good uses of
1: blockchain technology um right that, you know, like one good example of it that IBM really kind of pioneered, which is kind of surprising because, you know, everyone thinks of IBM as, as just dead company now, right. is the shipping industry. You know, the shipping industry has hundreds of players that do not trust each other. And, you know, when you're moving shipping containers across the ocean... One shipping company wants to know where it came from before and who had it before that and what was in it. And not only what what, do they, what did you tell me was in it, but what, what did the person who gave it to you said what was in it and things like that. And so by having it all on a public ledger, you don't have to worry about people doctoring their books. It's like, you know, say a shipping container catches on fire. Who knew what was actually in it at what point, you know, because what happens right now is everyone points fingers at each other and goes, well, I told you it was explosives you and you put down in your, you know, Sheet It was bananas. You're the one who's faking your your logs. And then the previous company does the same thing and all that. So this lets everybody have a public record of things of who said what and when so that nobody can falsify it and doesn't require a third party to trust. I think that's a great use of blockchain technology.
0: Sure yeah you know. well let's yeah, the thing is like the public ledger again with money a public ledger can add value obviously with what you're talking about it can add a lot of value because it's like you can just see all these movements that happen hypothetically that could be possible but because it's all these entities that don't have com- um uh like coordinated you know logging systems that's where the problem comes in yeah so yeah that's definitely uh, a valid use of it sure
1: yeah and you know i mean i think like you're mentioning apps you know i could see a future where like maybe we do move on from everyone using the steam store for pc games and when you buy a copy of a game you buy an nft directly from the publisher and then that lets you later like i bought this game i gave the publisher twenty dollars in ethereum or bitcoin or whatever and then five minutes later i said you know this game sucks I can sell it to you and the publisher still knows that because I transferred it, you know, the the NFT from me to you, only one person still has the ability to run the game because it's somehow checking that, you know, my identity has the a current key to it or something. I can see uses like that, but you're right. It's more complicated than what we have right now, which is Steam, where there's a single source of truth that you can go to and say, who actually owns this game at this point?
0: Yeah, yeah, and also Steam wants that system to persist. And and EA, you know, is hardcore on DRM. Steam probably too to an extent. And they don't want you to not they don't want to lose control of their systems. And you know, like there's definitely like, you know, some people on the cutting edge of technology and awareness and libertarians and stuff that would be like, "Well, I don't want you to have that power over me." But, you know, I don't think there's enough people like that You know who are like oh i need video games to not be in a steam store i mean i think we all know it's a monopoly and it would be nice if it wasn't quite a monopoly but you know you could also just cut down on the monopolistic behavior and still have the the same storefronts and uh, yeah so like that's again another use case that i could see being valuable but then it's like well who's even going to push that into existence i could you know i could see value in that but how much and you know is it worth my time to advocate for and stuff you know um so yeah but anything else Any, any other ideas
1: I mean, not really. I mean, I've liked some of the, the ideas that people have had about things like, you know, like I, I've heard you just started your, your Patreon. You could do mm-hmm. something where, like, you know, the first 10 people who donate to at some tier get an NFT that on Discord gives them a, a neat little icon next to them or something. And, mm-hmm. It's worth more money because you could maybe transfer that, sell it later, you know, when when Spencer's Patreon stops selling these things after the first 10 people, do they appreciate, you know, do they become worth more, which will make people pay the, more for them to you on the hopes that they're going to be able to turn around and flip that one day and all for just a silly little icon on, on Discord, you know, stuff like that where part of the value add is that you can sell this and you're counting on people that it's going to appreciate, but it all still sort of feels like we're all selling tulips to each other and, and things like that, you know?
0: Well, that's the thing. It's like when you're talking about a Patreon or something where you get a, a piece of promotional tchotchke, like that I'm selling, and I think it's like, we all know what this is. This is a tokenization of you supporting me. You know, this is kind mm-hmm. of proof and you can point to this and I can see again the value for maybe having that online, but it's like if, if all it is is support, just make it a t-shirt, you know? It's like, like, I think we need to have like a more digital society that's more unified, you know, maybe with this metaverse um (laughs) you know about the metaverse big fan Uh, not really yeah. Uh, but you know, like, but if it's like, discord is like you said, it's pretty prominent, um, but you know, it's only discord, you know, if you could right. take that and then put it on Twitter and put it on Facebook and it's different, you know, it has its own tab of the app rather than it's just a picture that you're putting in a spot, you know, then right. I could see. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, I'd rather sell and have physical keys, even if I can't show them online, you know, I, I can, I can admit that yeah. there's value to showing people online as opposed to having in-person, you know gear, but I just like I just don't think that people want it to to be expensive. It's because it doesn't have a lot of inherent value, and I think that a lot of the things that people are peddling is the idea. It's like, no, this has inherent value. Sure, it's just a JPEG, but it's a JPEG with a number on it, and that's worth a hundred dollars. And next year, it could be worth two hundred dollars. It's like, no, it's not. You're just making it up. Like, there's no value right. there. Like people know what a an lot of- image costs, and it's free. You know, you just yeah. download it.
1: I think I think this is a reaction though, to people liking the idea of NFTs and they're not being a good enough market to actually do something with them yet. You know, mm. you know, I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of the very early days of Bitcoin, though, where people were just like, literally, you go on to IRC and somebody would give you 100 Bitcoins in exchange for, you know, saying hi to them or something just because people just wanted to be able to push the button to transfer them. You know, like, there was that level of demand of, hey, this is such this cool new thing. I want to do it. But the market wasn't there yet. And I, I that's kind of feels right now is that uh, people you know, for some reason people are being drawn to that. The the, the current use case of it right now I find kind of silly. People are being drawn to it though so they're trying to find a use for it and I think that's what we're seeing today.
0: Yeah, I just think like I can, I can understand the appeal of Bitcoin a lot more because it's like, let's just play around with this thing and it's like a fake internet currency, you know, and it's like, it's definitely a financial, financial instrument, the same way buying stocks is, but it's like, but these are internet points. So they'll give you a Dogecoin or whatever, you know, um, but and it's just like, that's a fun system, but I don't think that there's a lot of inherent fun in what NFTs are. Like, I, I think that, um, I think that like people are just trying to sell you on it and it's like, but there's nothing there. It's like, I can, again, like I said, I can get behind the idea of using this to make something, but what you're showing me is just, Like you're just trying to print money, you know, essentially you're trying to tell me like, oh, buy this snake oil, I'll be rich. And it's like, we know, we know that so many players are just doing that, you know? And, and I think that people can get really excited about the specific images or properties being offered because, you know, art is compelling, you know, it doesn't matter what, you know, you can make a cool little digital pixel art and that's cool, you know? And so I think, you know, there's value there, but it's just not... It doesn't come from the NFTness of it all. It comes from what the thing already inherently was, you know. Exactly. Oh. Anyway, um, let's transition to food. What uh, what what's what's your food life like, Kevin? Lately,
1: it's been a lot of DoorDash. Um, right. <laughs> I've been just like trying new restaurants. You know, there, there's been so many restaurants that have opened up near me, and I, it's been a quick way of trying them all. Uh but I love mm-hmm. cooking too. I I really really do. So when I'm not, you know, stuffing my face full of DoorDash deliveries, I'm I'm cooking something.
0: Are you the cook uh, in the house?
1: Uh 50/50. I mean, Ariel does a lot of cooking. Wow. I do a lot of cooking, but I think it's it's best when we're both doing it together. Yeah. But you know, that, that's what you know, we'll we'll probably once a week both just like get in each other's way in the kitchen and just make a meal for for each other.
0: Yeah, that's quite an image. It definitely doesn't make me want to shoot myself in the head at all. Um, but, yeah, the cooking together sounds like a lot of fun. Um uh so so okay so first let's hit doordash what what any any good food like you know you don't have to say restaurants or whatever but any good types of food that you're finding any good dishes that you've eaten that are that are that are notable or what kind of vibe is the food scene where you're at right now well chicago is pizza
1: you know by by a long shot and there's so many pizza places near me you know that's what i had yesterday i i've just been trying you know try them all um every bar around here sells pizza every you know so there's probably like you know i live in the middle of nothing i probably have 40 restaurants that deliver pizza here so mm-hmm. that that's been that's been a lot of it um do you do you doordash
0: i don't use like DoorDash. That? i usually use grubhub and to a lesser extent i use um postmates but not doordash um but you know i don't know not not so much lately i i like to go to a place and pick up my food even if i'm not eating it at the place so usually i'll, I'll do just DoorDash a pickup order like um i'll go like Mm -hmm. Is that because it's fresher or do you just like the experience or I don't, yeah. It's the experience. I don't want to eat at home and I don't want a person to bring me food. Like I like that, that trip, I think it's not like it makes the food worse. I mean, it does, but it's not just that it's like, if I'm eating, if I'm going to go to go get food, I want to go get food. Like I want to leave my house. I'm a person who likes leaving my house. I mean, maybe it's, you know, my, my current living situation, my roommate and stuff, but like, I like leaving the house. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, play video games for five hours. And then, man, that was great. And I got to get the fuck out Out of the house now you know and so in so eating getting picking up food is like a a huge part of that ritual for me and i don't just go get food i go drive around about halfway through driving around i usually pull over and order something from the place and then i go pick it up you know that's kind of how i do it and then i usually in my car i love eating in my car i love sitting in my car i love being in my car my car is my real house in a lot of ways i don't live out of my car but i basically live in my car you know it's uh it's my safe space it always has been um When I was, you know, living with my parents, it was kind of one of the main ways I didn't have a ton of friends. So it's like, I would either go and hang out at one of the friends, or I would just drive around for like an hour and a half, um, just because I didn't like being in my house. I did not like being around my parents. The thing is, uh, you know, and whatever, I, I was probably living with my parents too late, um you know, to when I was like old enough to have probably moved out. Um, but you know, they just would, they would come when I was at the house, they would come start shit. Like they would come into my room and start like just bringing stuff up and like, and it would just start arguments because I don't know, my my family's all like really passive aggressive people. I'm passive aggressive. And so I think this is just what they like, how they, how they operated. It was like, I'm just going to go start shit. And it was, and the thing is, if I was not at the house, for instance, if I was at the house three hours a day in a day, I wouldn't get as much shit. Like if they wouldn't have the shit in their head and then come to me in the three hours, I was actually there and then deliver it to my door. You know, if I was gone, the shit would suddenly stop showing up. You know, it's like, it seemed to be a function of me being in the house more than a function of a legitimate grievance that had to be brought out sometime, you know, and then just bad timing or whatever. So like, I just, uh, I don't know. I I think I've talked about this, maybe not, but I've come to realize I never really thought my of myself as a control freak for most of my life. I've come to realize, I think I am a really big control freak, but because I resist, um, being controlled anytime I feel someone trying to control me in any way, um, I really brush against that. Um, I don't want to like exert control over people in the traditional way. Like you can't do this. Like you should act differently. I don't want to ever give people notes. I would rather exert control by controlling my environment, which is to say most of the time, just leaving, <laughs> you know, it's like if someone's being loud or I don't like uh, someone's behavior, I will not be it. You know, I will not be there for it. I've dumped so many friends just because it's like I don't want to be part of what you are doing. Like I don't want that to be in my life. I could never tell you you are doing anything wrong and hope you might change. You know, any any of your behaviors. I would rather just <laughs> completely shut it off and and control. You know, who I let in and out. Um, and so, and that is control freak chism you know um it's just it's just not demanding and 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 commanding people to do what i want it's hoping they do what i want and then running away when they don't you know it's not healthy passive aggressive you know uh, i wish i was better at being assertive and, and creating conflict when it was necessary as opposed to just letting things uh get worse and worse and worse until i feel like i'm gonna explode um but yeah uh so Anyway, back to, back to food. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, the, during the pandemic, I got more into, um, Indian food before I hadn't had very often. And when I get it, got it, I would always get Vindaloo, which is fine, but it's just not like, it doesn't really dive into a lot of the good Indian flavors that I like. I you know, I think it's a very white person thing to go. Like I like chicken tikka masala, but it's just so good. Like it's sweet. It's sour. It's tangy. It's, it's, it's got all this spice to it. It's, you know, I get the spicy kind it's spicy, it's creamy creamy you know it's fatty it's 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 got the acid that cuts it it's just like a perfect combination and so like I, I've been getting a lot of uh, tikka masala and that usually I'll get delivered they give you uh these little plastic tupperwares that i use for leftovers and stuff it's a it's a really good you know having those in my life has improved my life because i can cook more now and keep it stored in the in the tupperwares and stuff it's great um but yeah uh what what have i eaten lately i got kyochan as like these korean wings recently i went to i went to uh, a barbecue place with um with uh with my friend alex rubens we got some barbecue um but yeah nothing nothing too big lately i've been trying you know obviously because of my health uh scare i don't know um i've been trying to eat better but this week that's really fallen off but you know before that i had been eating a lot of roasted vegetables i've been roasting vegetables and just keeping them in a big bowl and then i eat from the bowl like every you know couple meals per day um then it, they last about a week and you know it's pretty healthy because it's like, you know, maybe I'll get like two, 300, uh, calories of vegetables, but it's really filling. And then I'll have other stuff too. Like I have some bread and butter and I have chicken that I usually get, I'll get a chicken, a uh, rotisserie history chicken from the store and I'll just rip it apart the first night, chop it up. And, um, freeze the carcass to make soup out of and then i'll just keep the chicken in the bag and sometimes when i'm microwaving the vegetables i'll throw some chicken chunks and you know microwave that or i'll make like one thing i like to do is make a a chicken and butter sandwich where you just take bread butter the bread and then you put you know microwaved or cold chicken on it there's something really good about that for whatever reason so i do stuff like that i've been eating a lot of bananas i've been trying to eat greek yogurt um sunflower seeds i eat a lot of spinach if i can what i do what i've been doing is i've been stacking leaves of spinach in these little piles and then folding them in half and then eating it And you get all these layers of spinach all at once um you know, not the best, you know, I can saute spinach, but it's, you know, it it takes up more room in your stomach if you eat it raw and stuff. So, and you know, all these foods, sunflower seeds, spinach, Greek yogurt are supposed to be good for your blood pressure. Who knows? Um, so (laughs) who knows in the sense that, you know, science is fake, man, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what I've read. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I've been trying to eat better, but, but this has been a not good week for me. I haven't touched, I roasted a bunch of vegetables and I basically haven't touched them. I didn't peel my butternut squash enough so there's a bit of toughness on the outside of my butternut squash was as gross um but fuck that up i'm thinking about what i can do with that because like i said i haven't touched it i'm thinking maybe i can turn it into soup or something i don't know you got any we just
1: made butternut squash soup it was th- delicious <laughs> it was so i didn't think i was gonna like it and it was so good i i ate all of it yeah
0: what are the headlines recipe wise just butternut soup is there cream is it like
1: um yeah it was broth? butternut squash uh cream uh, I think we use beef broth uh-huh. and um, a little bit of ginger and a little bit of honey. Yeah, and I think those that. are what
0: really brought it all together. Yeah, there's a restaurant kind of by my house that makes a really good butternut soup. It, it has like a uh an acidity, like a sourness to it that's like an amazing cuz you know butternut's such a warm flavor. Um and it's like it's just amazing. I don't know how they make it, but I'd love to learn how to make that. I've been trying to use my instant pot. I make soup in my instant pot and it keeps turning out like shit. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing wrong. I think it's just the Instant Pot's bad, but I have two chicken carcasses and I think I'm going to split them up and try and make instant pot chicken soup with half of the ingredients and make on the stove chicken soup with the other half and see you know if if one is better than the other or if i'm just fucking the process up really bad sometimes because soup homemade soup is so good last thanksgiving i made ham soup it was so fucking good with the leftover bone of the ham it was so good i ate it for like two weeks it was fucking amazing it was the best soup i've probably ever had and i made it myself and i didn't even know what i was doing i just kind of threw some shit together and it just worked really well so the idea. That the Instant Pot can't make soup is really bumming me out. I have, um, I made risotto in it. Which is supposed to be, you know, a very fiddly recipe. They, people always talk about how hard it is. And there's just an the instant pot recipe. <laughs> so fucking easy. It takes literally 15 minutes and it comes out perfectly. And there's no fiddling because instead of, uh, you know, the thing about risotto is you put a little bit of liquid in at a time and wait till it all to get absorbed before adding the liquid. So you don't completely swamp the dish. And it just, it, I think as a result, it stays a bit more toothsome than, you know, your average like half hour boiled rice or whatever. Um, But because a pressure cooker can force liquid into a food stuff, you know, you just pressure cook it for like 10 minutes and it it gets you the same exact texture and then you melt in the cheese and it kind of thickens everything up. And so that was like an unqualified success. It was amazing. I was like, okay, so the instant pot is because thus far I've tried to make soup in it and failed. And I was like, so, so far, this is just a total bust of an appliance, you know? Um, but I'm, I'm trying to find, you know, if any fans, if you have any good recipes, uh, that you make in an instant pot, let me know, because I am trying to figure figure out, you know, how to win with it. What I'm starting to learn is maybe it's not good for soup, which is forcing flavor out of objects into a liquid and better for your recipes that are about forcing liquid into an object, you know, to make it more flavorful like a, like stewing beef or something, you know, is about kind of like imparting a bunch of vegetable and other earthy flavors into kind of the meat and kind of let, I don't know, I'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's what my food life's been like uh, lately. Um. So, but you cook, tell me about your cooking. Like what, 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 you know, like, what do you like to cook? Do you like to cook everything? Do you have any things like, are you a cooker or a baker? Well, have you ever uh, played with sous vide cooking before? Do you know what that is? i'm aware of it but i've never tried i keep thinking like i see all these ads for like oh 30 off in an Anova uh, cooker and i'm like should i do it but I, I still haven't really figured out my instant pot so i don't think i'm going to take the plunge yet but it's something i'm interested in
1: yeah so if, if people listening don't know what it is basically you take the food you want to cook like i do curry in these all the time so i'll take my tikka masala sauce and chicken or cheese tubes or whatever and you seal it in a vacuum bag you put it in a big pot with water in it, and you put this little machine in the pot that brings the water to an exact temperature. So like, you know, like if you're cooking, let's say like a steak, and you want the temperature to be 140 degrees on the inside of the steak, your pan is super, super hot on the outside. Yeah, your
0: pan's like 400 degrees, hoping right. that you can transfer that heat to get the internal temperature to where you need it.
1: Right before you've burned the outside, you know? So right. what you do, like if you're cooking a steak sous vide, you set the water to be 140 degrees, you throw it, you know, the water never turns Touches the food. It's all all the foods in a vacuum bag, and so you throw the food in the hundred and forty degree water, and you can leave it there like it's done in fifteen minutes. But you can come back six hours later, and it's still exactly just as good. So Mm. one of the things I really like about doing that is I can have pre-made, you know, uh, vacuum bags of different foods just sat in the fridge. I fill up a pot. I put the sous vide machine in there. I turn it on. And then whenever i feel like eating later i just cut the bag open and it's ready to eat
0: so and I, now, I I'm uh, now i'm recording if you're now i'm recording i just started recording so uh you know we'll probably be using the zoom audio uh at least until this point if not for the whole show but you know if <laughs> if you hear something that that's why <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> but 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 so so you cook the thing mm-hmm. then you have the mm-hmm. juices and the food and then you like throw that onto a pan right You can, you don't
1: have to. It depends on what you're cooking. Like, you know, uh, what I do a lot too is I actually have a blowtorch in the kitchen. So like I will take uh, asparagus is one of my favorite things to cook sous vide. I'll take a vacuum bag, I'll Mm -hmm. throw some butter, some seasoning, whatever in it, throw it in the pot, let it cook. And then I dump the asparagus out onto a plate and take the blowtorch just to sort of like crisp it up on the outside. You do the same thing with steaks, you do that with other things like that. But for like curry, I just basically just throw it into a bowl and then it's ready to eat
0: sure yeah yeah i was thinking more for steaks you know i don't trust blowtorches in food like i don't it just doesn't seem like the right way to do it i I, i'm certainly the science has already come back and it's fine or whatever but something to me just rings bad about it i don't know like it doesn't seem like it it works out um like it it just on paper it seems like a like it doesn't it's like a cheat like it looks right but isn't like texturally what you'd want a char to look like on a a steak or something
1: if you want it to be more authentic what you do just before you pull the food out is you take like a cast iron pan you heat it up as hot as you can get it and then just throw that on there real quick just to be able to char it on the outside yeah and that works just as well i'm just lazy and i i use the blowtorch
0: well, a lot of people do, and it's like, you know, There, I watch a lot of Instagram food videos or TikTok food videos and stuff, and, you know, they, they come up a lot because they look cool and stuff, and, you know, there's a, a presentational element. It's certainly probably the only way to make cranberry and stuff, but, you know, yeah, it just seems like more of, to me, it seems like more of a gimmick and stuff, but I don't know. I, I haven't experimented with it, so I could be way off base. Um, yeah.
1: A lot of my cooking, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm weird in that, like, I'll be hungry when I start cooking, but by the time I finish cooking, I just don't feel like eating anymore. So, like everything I do is based around that weird quirk of me. So, like I have a you know one of those really nice Japanese rice cookers where you throw the rice in, you throw the water, and it's all like an induction bowl. You close the lid, you hit start, and then you can come back six hours later, and it's still just perfect rice. So, like I do curry a lot, where I'll do Mm -hmm. sous vide, uh, you know, curry sauce and and whatever protein I'm throwing in there, and then I throw some rice in and just come back. 4 hours later need
0: yeah, that sounds really good. I don't think I consume enough rice to really have like a regular rice cooker, but I think about it all the time because like, you know, like in a lot of Asian households, they just have a rice cooker that's just going, you know, and they just have the rice and it's just always heating like all day, you know, and they'll do that for a couple weeks. You know, I they, the food doesn't last that long. I'm sure they're eating it faster, but it's just as opposed to, you know, you just have the rice there at the ready. And, and I, uh, I would be, you know, having rice just be like, I could eat some rice sounds like an amazing you know thing to have going on especially if you have proteins and stuff I don't cook with a ton of uncooked meats um, more just because my my kitchen's cluttered and I don't want to worry about cleaning the kitchen after like the meat you know preparation and stuff so I don't I don't use a lot of a lot of meat when I cooking unless it's like pre-cooked somehow um, but I want to I want to do more because obviously I like meat and I like cooking and I like cooking meat but I just you know whatever um, but yeah I don't know well
1: do you think you could ever do the the vegetarian or vegan lifestyle
0: i don't think so i mean if i had to i could do it like for health reasons or something but i think in general it's just like i specifically chicken like i think i could go no beef probably no pork but i think like chicken is just so good like i just i don't know how i'd live without you know even just like kind of like a broiled boiled chicken breast or something like it's just so good to me
1: For a lot of my life, I was vegetarian because I had a misdiagnosed beef allergy. Like I'm I'm somewhat (laughs) allergic to beef, but we couldn't figure out what it was. And the best we could do was meats make you sick. So stop eating meat is kind Mm -hmm. of like from like high school into my thirties. I just had no meat whatsoever because I was getting sick all the time.
0: Did you ever get, uh, did you get bitten by that tick, the lone star tick or whatever that causes meat allergies?
1: Not to my knowledge, no. Um, mm-hmm. it, it looks like I'm missing some enzyme in my stomach that most other people have, which is the, the real cause of it. So it's not really an allergy; it's a, just an intolerance. Beef erase. Um, like I can, I can eat whatever I want in small doses, you know, which you can't really do if you have a, an allergy like yeah. that. Um, but I, I still don't eat much. It's just I, I was eating very unhealthily because I wasn't able to eat what I wanted, so I just ate junk food all the time. Mm-hmm. you know um so that's yeah.
0: yeah yeah what else any last any last food thoughts I don't know I'm just trying to think yeah. oh I was gonna say that that one of the things I like doing like as a hobby like a hobbyist is like scientific cooking, where it's not like I got to put dinner on the table. It's more like there's this dish, it's interesting. I would like to try and make it to learn about it without needing to eat this right now. So it's like if I really fuck it up, I could just throw it out, no harm done. You know, I'm not worried about because that's what it's about. It's about learning how to do it right, and um, you know, it's like a project cooking. And then you know, once I get a recipe down, I'm like, ha, you know, this is great. Now I have this in my holster. It's like but one of my bags of tricks like this instant pot risotto i'm just like knowing that i can just bust this out at any time is like a huge boon to me but you know if that was just the only thing i was eating i don't even know if i'd trust myself to make it just because what if this goes bad you know but i don't know like before, like, uh, when the America's test kitchen or whatever first started being invented, like I worked at a bookstore at the time and there were like, people were starting to just ask about American test kitchen books and stuff. I was like, that's, I'd love to do that just to like, you know, like I wish I had resources because it costs a lot to get a re- a bunch of ingredients, but like, I would love to just make 12 different batches of chocolate chip cookies, just with mild variations. That's one of the things I've done. Um, one of the things I did was, um, I made chocolate chip cookies without the, co- uh, without the chocolate chips. Um, because I think the brown sugar cookie dough is so amazing. And the more chocolate you add, it kind of just hides how good the brown sugar, obviously chocolate's great and whatever, but it's like, it kind of just masks the flavor of the brown cookie a lot of time. And, and it's like, but I love the brown cookie. So I made it without really good. Um one of the things I settled on was was I'll put five 3 to 5 chocolate chips I'll press it into the top of the cookie and I'll kind of also shape it a bit into a more cookie shape before I put it in the oven. And then that's like the best because you do get enough chocolate where you're not like, "Oh, this isn't a chocolate chip cookie." But it's really, you know, it's about the presentation. It's about the brown sugar cookie dough coming through, which is just so it's just so good to me. I don't know. And so like I tried a bunch of variations on that and you know, I I yeah. So I, I mostly just make them normal style now, but you know, it was good to, it was fun to to figure out all these different ways to do it. I don't know. That's just, you know, I love science. When I was a kid. My- me and my parents would, uh, quote, do science in the kitchen where we basically just squirt a bunch of liquids into the sink, you know, like ketchup and stuff and mix it around and see what happened, you know? And I feel like it kind of spurs from that tradition where it's just like, yeah, let's just see what happens. I'm not going to eat any of this. We're just doing science, you know? Um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's a privileged thing to be able to do, obviously to not be all like, oh yeah, yeah I, I have to you know not I, I it doesn't matter how this succeeds or fails I don't have these ingredients I'm going to buy them at a store just for this that I'm probably you know I might not even eat but but it's it's a very fun approach for me um all right uh so I asked about your life update I never I don't think I ever gave my life update so when last we met well before last we met um <laughs> when I had Simon on um <laughs> when I had Simon on and did my best conservative commentator impression if uh if that's your your viewpoint of what happened um I I mentioned that I had high blood pressure and then I had to test my blood pressure during the show and it was like it was like 175 over 140 which people told me that's really bad that's crazy bad go to the hospital that's bad you know um which I know um when I saw that number I was like that's a horrible number, but in my mind, I was like, "Okay, that's wrong. That's, that's something's wrong about this. There's no way this is an accurate result, or something like something is happening." I don't really have this blood pressure, so you know, maybe my blood pressure is really high, but it's not quite that high. I know that, so I didn't freak out at the time. But people were like, "You got to worry about this." But but so yeah, that, that's what happened. Is that I was like, "Okay, clearly something went wrong." Um, I ended up. I ended up going back to the doctor uh who originally prescribed me the heart uh, the blood pressure medication. He tested my blood pressure again. He said it was too too big. I told him, "The fucking medicine you gave me made me feel like I was having a heart attack. I don't want to take it any again." And he was like, "Well, what if you took less?" And I was like, "I mean, no." But fine. Okay, fine. I it seems like a terrible idea to me. Um but so he doubled my dose of the heart pressure me- uh, heart heart medication and halved the dose of the the brain medication. So I started taking both again pretty quickly. I was starting to feel fucked up again. And I was like, this is, I know this was going to happen. So I, I, um, as it, as it, as it happened, um, Anthem, or whatever, is it Anthem? Yeah, Anthem, my insurance provider, they called me with a courtesy call from a nurse practitioner because I guess it's part of their standard coverage uh, or, you know, whatever. It's their research that this saves them money. After I go to the ER, they'll call as a follow up and just see, you know, figure out what's going on, see if they can help or anything. And I talked to the nurse practitioner. I basically told her what was up. I was like, I've seen this crazy doctor. I don't trust him. He put me on the medication. I thought it was going to kill me. Uh, He put me back on it even after. I was like that doesn't seem like a good idea and you know we just talked it through and you know she she just listened and she gave me a bunch of advice one of the things she said to do was to bring my blood pressure machine to the doctor and give them get give them to give me a reading and then you wait a little bit and then then i take a reading with my machine and see how close to each other they were and so i was like oh my god that's an amazing idea so i did I also told my doctor about what had been happening. He's my general practitioner. And uh, the lady told me, you know, she explained to me that like, you know, part of what the general practitioner is supposed to do is just understand everything that you're doing medically. They don't necessarily involve themselves with all of it, but they have like oversight and they might be able to point you in the right direction to this or that, you know? Um, so, so I didn't really think about that before, but so, yeah, I went, I went in like pretty soon after and just basically told him the whole story I told her. And, uh, he, you know, he was like, yeah, you you shouldn't go to that doctor anymore. And I was like, I know. And, um, he, uh, he, you know, we talked about cardiology and he said, he thought he could get me a faster cardiology appointment than I had previously booked. And he did. And, um, he said I should do a sleep study because sleep, if I had sleep apnea or some sort of sleep problem that could cause high blood pressure and some of the other symptoms you're talking about with focus and motivation, which is one of the reasons why I pursued ADD in the first or ADD diagnosis in the first place. Um, and so I was like, yeah, whatever. And so I got a sleep study console. I, I went to the cardiologist, uh, everyone still seems to be, you know, thinking that probably what happened is, you know, was a reaction to the medicine. Um, but oh but but yeah but the they took my blood pressure and then i took the blood pressure with my machine and it was off by like 40 points <laughs> <And> wow so, <laughs> i had been like rigorously documenting my blood pressure like for two weeks and then you know it's like well it's impossibly inaccurate like none of this data means anything <laughs> Thing. and I was like, Oh, well, I guess I'm done. And so now every couple of days, I'll go to the local pharmacy where they have like one of those big sit down blood pressure and I'll take mine there just to get a baseline, but I'm not even tracking that too heavily. Um, but cause it's been my, it's my blood pressure is pretty consistent. Um, it doesn't change very much it's just not you know it's or it's stage one i think hypertension or maybe pre-hypertension one of the two and so it's not you know it's not great i'd like it to be better but then also i have concerns about my heart in general like one of the reasons i stopped smoking pot is because i felt like i was getting heart palpitations occasionally if i smoke pot and it's like if, and both my parents had svt which is a, a, a like a rhythm kind of problem with your heart I think it makes your heart beat way faster i believe and so like both of my parents had heart problems my grandpa had heart problems so it's like i really want to figure out if there's any possible thing going on with my heart you know and just know that at the very least um so yeah the cardiologist is uh, is going to test me in a in a week or two with a stress test and an echogram and i took this sleep study um where i they gave me they gave me this device that you wear it on your head—it's like this weird kind of miner's uh, headlight style headband, like with a big battery thing situation. It has like a breathing tube where you put it into your nostrils. I don't know. I think it's supposed to measure measure your oxygenation levels or something. I don't know. And um, what you do is you put it on. You have to use band aids or, in my case, uh, duct tape after I ran out of band aids to tape this, the the tubes to your face so the nose piece doesn't fall out um and then you go when you're like you can't get up and like you've got to basically sleep right after you turn it on so you got to be like really ready for bed and you went to the bathroom and everything and you lay down with the thing on you look at the ceiling you turn it on and it says like unicorder recording don't move look up at the ceiling and don't move it's calibrating or whatever and then it's like calibration complete you may now go to sleep which is like You think i was gonna fall asleep in like the three seconds it took to calibrate with the machine that's so weird um but but then you know the the voice is pretty loud and um and uh and it's it's supposed to be loud because if while you're sleeping your tube comes off or one of the electrodes on the on the headband comes detached she'll say like wake up (laughs) wake up and fix your damn tube (laughs) or whatever like um it was it was very strange um and so i had to do that for three days and the the other thing is you have to do it for three consecutive days and also um it only has storage for three days so you can only like if you had a bad night where it's like it fell off and you slept through it or whatever it's just like okay We just lose that day of data, and then you just gotta cover it with two working days of data, and then maybe if it's so bad, we'll rent it to you again. The thing costs four hundred bucks, which is like when you look at it, it's like this is a piece of shit. Like this is like at best fifty dollars, like of electronics, and it was designed in like twenty fourteen. So it's like it's just a piece of shit. Like it really was bad looking. Like when I looked at it, I was like. You know i'm not a i'm not like an inventor but i would have done a way better job (laughs) making this thing you know but maybe they wanted it to be cheap or something anyway i went to i so i did that i turned my thing back in and then i went and got a heart monitor because the heart doctor wanted me to wear a heart monitor for a week so now i have a heart monitor glued to my chest um and that's interesting um it's just I'm, I'm finally starting to get used to it um it's this is my second full day of seven days that i've been wearing it and it's it's fine it's just a bit weird they said um they said oh so just so you know in the first 24 hours you can't shower or bathe and i was like yeah not a problem and um, then they were like and you know if you want to bathe you got to follow these steps and i'm like yeah no i just you know too much trouble i'm just gonna go a week you know without bathing, the doctor said i could do it um, and so I, I have the heart monitor and i think i actually have a stress test later this week so i hope i don't sweat off the heart monitor or something they said that they can't answer any questions about the heart monitor and i have to call a number for the manufacturer if i have any questions um and then so yeah because you know it's not their machine i guess but if it falls off or stops working um Basically you just mail it back to them and they'll mail you a new one and then you keep going for the remaining time which it's like a weird clunky process but yeah. So I hope that doesn't happen just because I like to just get it over in a week and then be done with it, you know. Um but so that's that's been my health journey so far. Um hopefully we'll figure out if I have SVT or if I have anything going on with my heart or if I'm just a hypochondriac, which is probably the most likely scenario. It's just I don't know. I've read a lot of stuff about weed causing heart problems that scientists hadn't really uh, correlated before. And so it's like, if you have heart problems already, uh, weed can be a lot more dangerous than people assume and then also weed can cause heart problems if you're using it really heavily and i've smoked really 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 heavily for 15-ish years at this point you know i guess 14. um but so like <laughs> like a lot a lot and so like if there's ever a candidate for something to go wrong you know i feel like it could be me because of my uh parents heart history and stuff i don't know um but that's 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 been my life update um so yeah I was a bit elated but uh yeah so i guess it's time to break into our favorite f- famous freaking the segment you know it you love it it's the one i can never remember the name because it's like it's the news corner it's like spencer's news. i don't know I, I don't know but it's time for that happens oh ah, yes and i'm dancing to music and if you're not hearing the music it's not <laughs> that's right uh in today's news the Nazis are at it again um how do you, how are the Nazis at it again anyway Kevin do you have any ideas I I I don't know
1: um I haven't seen any Nazi activity I actually I saw a truck with a Nazi flag on it at LAX wow. that seems like yeah. a, a bad place for that yeah
0: yeah you know the Nazi symbol is not good it's uh it's on my pans list my list of critical pans um but yeah so that Nazi was added again I hope bricks get thrown through his car and that's uh that's the news oh I don't want oh I do and now I'm dancing to not okay now the news gets started <laughs> what if you're tracking through Wait a second yeah there we go and that was the news corner um we don't have too much time left uh it looks like jeff is calling in but yeah i think we got some more work to get through before we can talk to him um i don't know should i talk about my patreon do you think that's a good idea
1: i do i think there's been a lot of demand for you you've been hyping it for you know however many episodes this has been now and there's demand there's definitely demand
0: i just i don't know i i just have such a fear of failure like if if i launch this patreon and it goes nowhere it doesn't cost anyone anything you know but i'll feel such a devastating loss that like the paraly- like i've been paralyzed by thinking about that but yeah as you know i'm trying to build a spitereon we're creating spite on patreon you know that's that's the stuff um so we're trying as 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 you probably know jeff has a patreon um i think it's called Knight and davis uh you can find it on his you know he has links to it on his profiles and stuff um but despite him i'm trying to make a patreon that uh just proves that we're better than him you know um the the goal is to get more money and to get more patrons than his patreon to fucking stuff it to jeff and if that happens Aha! That's the podcast drink, etc. Um, I don't have a drink actually. I think I have like birthday flavored soda over there. There's a couple drinks that we haven't drink drank for the show that I, I found somewhere. Um, but but yeah, so so if we do that, I think I got to figure out some sort of prize for all the patrons to celebrate that we've successfully spited Jeff. You know, um, but I don't have any ideas for that. But that's separate. So uh, let's talk about the tears. Um, and this is just I don't know. The thing is. People are gonna give me advice, and I'm gonna get so mad at the advice people give me because I'm a thin-skinned, whiny piece of shit. And uh, you know they'll be doing nothing but helping me, and I'll get so upset. Um, But don't let that stop you. Or do like I don't know. You know, hopefully that that yeah, have good ideas. Like people, I I love advice from people, but most people who want to give me advice have bad advice. You know, so it's like be good, give good advice if you want to give advice. Anyway, so there's a three dollar tier. I think some of these are i think most of these are matched uh with what jeff is doing uh which so jeff has a three dollar tier that's just nothing so i also have a three dollar tier that's just nothing um but you know you get the satisfaction of knowing that you're you're spiting jeff you know your three dollars is going to absolutely spite jeff as hard as possible um and then you have a five dollar tier this is like the real real tier um and so this is like this kind of gets a little bit away from the idea of spite because i you know you can't just have a, a patreon where it's like just give me money and nothing will happen you know so so the five dollar dollar tier is supposed to be a real tier tier and um the, my idea is like at least once a month, I'm gonna try and release some sort of d and d related something. Like maybe it's me talking about and pointing to art from uh, or pointing to like my notes from older Harmontown or even Harmon Quest episodes. I have every season of Harmon Quest, I have this little notebook that contains the whole adventure. And so it's like, maybe I'll talk you through that. I want to like write, um little scenarios like not a full-blown dungeon but maybe a single dungeon room or a puzzle or an encounter or a character option um so like once a month kind of my plan is to release uh something like that it's probably not worth five dollars if we're being honest but i think over time like you'll be like maybe some of this can be useful or you know use let, let it inspire you in some way um in preparation i've already written the first one which is um the cult of the big cool eye is like a, is like a power group in the, this campaign, the that happens campaign. I don't think they've really come up, but people have mentioned them. they have been like the cult of the big cool eye. And so I made a warlock patron character option for the cult of the big blue, uh, cool eye. So if you wanted to be a, in the cult of the big cool eye as a warlock in your DD campaign, this is the character options for that. It, it focuses on gaining magical powers that are focused on your eye and the eye gets bigger and cooler um as you progress in level through the cult and so yeah that's it's i think it's a cool uh release if i could do everything with that level of quality i would be really impressed with myself (laughs) i don't know if i could do that but you know who knows um you know like all patreons will probably fall off um but that's that's a five dollar tier at twenty dollars which is again, I think this is probably a ripoff of of Jeff's tier. Um, I don't know. Well, maybe this one's not. But in addition to that, um, also you can <laughs> you can send me like here's what I'm doing in my campaign, and then I'll like write you probably like one page or maybe more of like just ideas, me talking through. Like it's not like a live consult, but you send me this, I'll give you notes on it. I. I I don't think that's very valuable to most people whatever this tier might get completely destroyed for $20 like who's going to do well you know for, first of all I don't expect you to do this every month oh every 20 you know I'm going to pay $20 every, every month to send Spencer this you know but you know if you ever had a thing maybe you kick me $20 one month and downgrade and then you know I'll, I'll give you notes I don't know you know like I said maybe this one goes out the window um at fifty dollars, I think this is what Jeff did too, is you get you get the cameo tier where um we're all do like a cameo style video for <laughs> you once a month. Again, I don't who the fuck wants that? I don't know. People have asked me for cameos, but I don't I don't believe they would pay, you know, even ten, twenty dollars for those. I mean, if you do, great, more power to you. But certainly no one will pay fifty dollars. So maybe the price of that might change. I don't know. It's just like the idea of get whatever. Um and then at a hundred at a hundred dollars a month, this is another ripoff of um of Jeff's thing. Is I can I will I will zoom you to do like a brainstorming session about D and D, or we could talk about a and related topic, or I guess we could talk about other stuff. Um, Maybe I'll try it. Maybe, maybe it's for 30 ish minutes, is what I'm saying. It could be more, but I don't want to commit to like, oh, yeah, we'll talk to a for a fucking hour. It'll be great. I don't know. But, you know, um, maybe if you want to learn DD, I could teach you DD for 30 minutes or something. I don't know. We'll, 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 we can figure it out. Um, Jeff has a tier that's like, I think we'll, he'll, he'll Zoom call you once a month or once every something. So it's kind of like a, a mirror of that, but it's like maybe more DD folks. But, you know, I'm open for shit. Um, another, this is another ripoff is the $250 a month tier is, uh, I'll play D and D with you as a player. Um, Jeff has this, um, you know, and, and just like Jeff, I will also use bone weevil's character sheet. <laughs> from Harmon quest um that's that's the Jeff Davis guarantee and despite him I'm also guaranteeing that but of course you don't have to have me do bone wheels character sheet I don't know whatever so you know if you wanted me to play D&D in your campaign not DMing for you um you know not that's the thing again I don't I don't expect anyone to do this whatever and then the top the very top again no one's gonna do this but this is the ideally the crown jewel of the patreon is for 500 dollars a month I will DM your party uh, for one session a month. Um, I will DM you... Using an adventure module, pre-made content, not homebrew stuff. Um, if you want homebrew stuff, I'll probably have to pay. I'll probably have to charge more. We could talk about that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that's again another big thing. But I want you know, people. There are professional DMs. They usually charge very low rates. You know, but some of them, the premium people, charge you know around this amount of money. They charge a lot of money. It's 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 more money than I'm comfortable charging. But at the same time, um, I don't want to be in a position. Where it's like there's all these d d games and i'm not making enough to make it worth it but i've just said i will do this thing and i just bogged down like that just seems like my own nightmare living hell so i don't want to do that um the prices of all of these but especially these top top ones are probably going to change because again i want to value my time as as DD person but i but what i think the value of that time is more than i want to be charging so it sucks but 500 is like my starting my starting compromise it's like i would like to charge a little bit more but i could never ask you know if like you have a five person group that's a hundred people per group or a hundred dollars per group for just one session a month i don't know but so maybe i don't know and if this isn't interesting to anyone Fine. I, I maybe I won't do it. I don't know. Um, I, I do think you know maybe the five dollar tier with the D and con- content might be worth it. I don't know. It depends on how many people go for it. Maybe I can up uh, up the up the price of that and do a little bit better because I can imagine you know if I had a little bit more effort to expend into this and that was kind of you know imagine a world where my full-time job was coming up with patreon content for D you know players dms to use you know i could i could probably do a better job but you know juggling it between a bunch of stuff like for it not to generate a ton of money you know i probably can't devote a i don't know all of this to say it's probably a bad idea i don't you know i don't know i, I that's why i've stalled out on the project i was going to launch it like a month ago but i just like got self-conscious about this whole thing and so yeah i don't know i'm still not sure i'm gonna but just to talk about it i have talked about it um so let me know what you think i i I will try not to get mad at you um at least externally i will be furious (laughs) internally but hopefully that won't spill on to any of you um so but yeah uh that's that's the patreon um and now it's time for what everyone wanted—my uh, big full-length interview with Kevin. Oh, that's that's actually what this episode is—is is a full-length interview with Kevin. Man, this episode hasn't been very funny, huh? It's not like there's been no jokes, but but mostly it's been real nuts and bolts talk on food and such. You know, it's been pretty straight. So whatever. Uh, but but yeah. So Kevin, uh, tell me about your early life
1: uh i was born in baltimore maryland i moved Mm -hmm. to nebraska when i was five Mm -hmm. um i lived in nebraska until i was 19 and moved Mm -hmm. to chicago when i got a job at midway games to be a video game designer um that Mm -hmm. wasn't initially what i started there for i was started there just as an it guy but kind of quickly moved over to doing game work
0: so what what kind of game design did you do like coding or what
1: yeah, I was, I was primarily a programmer. Um, my, I started out doing, uh, Midway had this line of touch screen games, like, you know, and the uh, sitting on top of a bar, like it's got trivia and card games and stuff like that. Yeah. I did Midway's version of that. So I that's cool. designed the whole like kind of operating system for it and the graphics and the sound and all that. Um, and I mean, that's all the time the-
0: we have. <laughs> um we'll we'll have to get back to that interview Uh, you know like i said i was planning on interviewing kevin the whole episode or at least a big majority of the episode and i think we should try and do that at some point because kevin's the most interesting person by far in this combination of people um and and certainly the most powerful and uh we we really want to figure out what's going on with him what kevin's deal is um but yeah uh but so yeah i'd like to do it i kind of wanted to talk again about the health stuff i did want to talk about um the Patreon stuff, but I knew that wouldn't last. So I'm glad we could find enough food stuff to talk about. But yeah, um, that's that's the show. Uh, that happens pod on all the things. Um, yeah, go with God, shit with Satan, smoke sap- back salt, and have a good foot.
1: Hi, everybody.